Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging. Maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs 21, if you don't have a Bible, they're gonna put that on the screen for you. Thank you for being here on this rainy Wednesday evening. We're in the concluding Wednesday night of our finance series called Money Matters. And we've been talking about money and yet we've had a great touch of God in here. Can that happen? Yes, it better happen. Uh, It's pretty biblical. Pretty biblical, amen. amen. We are moving in just a few days. It's hard to believe, ladies and gentlemen, it's almost October. And here at CT, although we're always focusing on family and the different dynamics of family, um, we take October and we are focusing on it specifically as our family focus month. It's our emphasis month, so there's a lot of incredible things upcoming. Uh, We want you to be aware of that, be a part of that, be as involved as you possibly can. We do have one Wednesday that is just for ladies and one Wednesday that's just for men. Last year was the first time and and some people were unsure about that and then we did it and people were like, wow, let's do that more often. We're not going to probably do that yet, but we are going to do it once uh, on one Wednesday in October will be just for men and one Wednesday just for ladies. So the ladies can talk about some lady stuff and the guys can talk about some guy stuff. Um, Now, I won't go any further with that. Okay, Proverbs 21. There's a treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. A foolish man spendeth it up. Romans 11 and 36 tells us that everything comes from God. Okay? For of him, through him, To him are all things. But the muse just reminded us of that from this old hymn. To whom be glory forever. Amen. Tonight we're talking about two different aspects to conclude this. We're going to talk about giving and we're going to talk about saving. We're going to talk about giving and we're going to talk about saving. I have a lot of material to get through tonight. I hope that I don't bore you. I hope that I don't talk too fast. But if I do either one, just act like I didn't. Um, we'll do our best to have the notes in case you miss anything on the app. But would you pray with me? This is Bible study. Finances are important. I don't have to rehash any of that. But would you pray that our next uh, 43 minutes or maybe slightly less can be effective in our time. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for the opportunity to look at your word both biblically and practically, what does it mean for our lives to be wise stewards? I pray you would help me to speak with wisdom and with clarity under the anointing of your spirit that I might be able to relay these principles and that they might be grasped in this house. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ and let everyone say amen. Amen. God bless you and you may be seated. We opened up with Proverbs 21 and 20 and we read it in the KJV. Now there are some translations that should be validated and there are some that should not. 
we understand that, but if you'll allow me to say it from a couple of other translations, one says the wise man saves for the, for the future, but the foolish spends whatever he gets. And another translation after that is a little too harsh. It says stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. So I, I think that's not really a translation. But if we'd be honest, some of us in here, we'd probably translate it a little closer to that. And you say, well, I would never say that. Have you ever said anything like that to your kids? Recently, one of my kids gave me what they, um, they were eating at a separate table and their, their receipt came to my table. <laughs> so I now have three children. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I want to talk tonight, I want to start about budget. You think, man, this is just very, very practical talking about a budget. I would say... One of the greatest disheartening things in regards to finances is that the average person wants to do well financially but is embarrassed to ask how. It ought not be that way in the church. We ought to be able to help one another, okay? Reasons of using a budget, number one, it reveals what is otherwise concealed. It answers why we have no money or if money is being spent unwisely. Number two, it lets me control my money. It allows uh, me to pay off debt, to free up cash, and helps us to meet our goals. Number three, it allows for proportional giving. If you spend based on emotion, you're in a dangerous lifestyle. All right? College students, say amen. amen. Elders, say amen. <laughs> yeah. Allows me to save, number four, systematically. And number five, it will help get me out of debt. We need to remember tonight as believers, it should be our goal, all of us, our goal to be out of debt, okay? To be in a healthy place. We talked last time, two weeks ago, about the difference between upside down and right side up and what that looks like. Proverbs 21 and five is a scripture I would like us to look at here together on the screen, Proverbs 21 and five. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty, only to want. In the NLT, it reads, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Steps that I would take to budget money. If you don't currently have a budget, you think, well, I, I'm doing okay because I'm not getting late notices. That does not mean you're doing. <laughs> I'm succeeding because they haven't repossessed the car this year. Okay, <laughs> baby steps. <laughs> um, steps I take to budget my money. Number one, use a budget program or a worksheet. Number two, calculate monthly income. Number three, list all spending monthly and non-monthly. Number four, establish a spending amount for each category. It includes giving, savings, debt, lifestyle. Number five, keep track of all money spent. If you've ever been a part of a financial report, there's usually always one line that says miscellaneous and the diligent, logical people always want to know what does miscellaneous mean. Usually in every marriage, one individual is the person who needs miscellaneous spending. Sometimes both. And we've got to guard that. But we should know where our money is going. Number six, adjust the budget 
as needed. Please note that that word is intentional. As needed, not wanted. As needed, not wanted. Okay, so here we go with this. Why we need a budget. What are we doing this for? We do this starting with this key principle. We must remember God is my source. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're blessed, you're blessed because of God. And I will tell you, even if you're poor, as an American, we're blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed. New vehicle, old vehicle, you're blessed. I, I, I could do a really easy poll here tonight to ask how many people in this household have more than one vehicle. People in this room that would not categorize themselves as blessed would almost unanimously, if they're married, raise their hand for more than one vehicle in a home. Then I would send you home to Dr. Google and ask you to weigh that against the world. We're blessed. We're blessed. We have homes. We have apartments. Most of us have carpet or hardwood, hardwood floors. I don't know anybody here that has a dirt floor in their house. Thank God that we are blessed. But we know that he is our source. It's the critical cornerstone of strong financial foundation. If we ever forget this, please catch this. You're going to live with financial tension in your life. One of the easiest ways to live in financial tension, either children and parents or even especially spouses, because typically in a marriage, I always ask in premarital counseling, who's the spender, who's the saver? When they're both spenders, I just break them up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just trying to wake you up a little bit. <laughs> I felt a couple of couples in the room like, oh. No, no. But we have to look at that. You have to take a, a, but in every situation, you need to know that there can be great tension financially in the home. And that can always and will, I believe, always happen. There'll be that financial tension that's in the life. If we forget, he is the source of our blessing. It's not just the fact that I can work or you can work so many hours a week or you're at a prestigious uh, job or whatever that might be. Thank God for those blessings but how many believe that when we're living for him, he has the ability to open the right doors and close the... That's how it works. Okay, so we put our security in him. He has the ability to turn on the water and turn off the water. He expects us to live practically, spiritually, and practically. Spiritually and practically, and he gives us the wisdom to do so. If you want to, turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to read verse 18. For those that are keeping notes or notating or you like to circle or highlight every scripture, Deuteronomy 8, 18, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. So we, we understand that we've got to remember the Lord. It's him that gives the ability to produce. Let me ask a question. Let me give the most basic um, lesson here this morning. He created Adam and Eve, but then he commanded them in the sense of multiplication. He puts things within them that then allows them to begin to be, be fruitful. They multiply not only physically with children, but also the keeping of the garden. How many believe there is still expectation by the Lord? This is one of the most dangerous teachings that has been um, linked up or hitched 
as it were, to the church over the last couple of decades. We've taken this word called grace and we've so abused it that we think there's no work with it. Boy, that makes me want to preach right there. Because grace is not the absence of working. We've still got to work hard. We've still got to do our job. But then we know if I have the physical ability to do the work, it is by His grace that I have that ability. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I can't find anywhere in this book where God honors slothfulness and laziness. Right? To the younger generation that's listening in this room that wants to come out of the gate making $100,000 a year, to you, we say, <laughs> You hear those elders laughing? That means they're clapping. That's what that means. Here's what I believe. God wants us to be financially productive. There is nothing wrong with prospering. This was false teaching that to prosper is wrong. But prospering is not what we seek. God is who we seek. How we define prospering is what matters the most. And unless we recognize Him to be the foundation of it all and that everything comes from Him, then you can't truly prosper. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. If you don't recognize Him as the foundation, you are in poverty anyway. Amen. Because you can lose your... You can lose the finances of this world very, very quickly. I've sat across the desk from plenty of people over the years that lost it all like this. And it was almost always easy to tie back. It's because of where their treasure was. If your treasure's all tied up in the world, the world will let you down. Amen? So that's our first. And our, our second is we've got to honor God first. It is the law of tithing and offering. We've talked about this, so I'm not going to go into it in great depth, but I do want to remind you the promise of giving. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, if you will. Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 9 and verse 10. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the firstfruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. I want to say it this way, and maybe you'll be able to remember it if I make it rhyme a little bit. You should give God your best, not the rest. I try to teach this to husbands too. Your family should get the best of your time, not the rest of your time. But we live in a world where that's counterculture. But everything about us as believers is countercultural. All right? So that's what first fruits is all about. There can be this dangerous thought process in regards to tithes and offerings, which are two separate things, that if there's enough money left, I'll pay the tithes. I can tell you from personal experience and counting, counseling hundreds of people over the last couple of decades that if that's the way you live, often there will not be enough left. If the tithing is last and not first, typically you'll end up last in your finances. The tithing is not. You've heard me say the language. I don't believe in even saying that we pay our tithes. I believe we return our tithes. We return them unto the Lord. What is the spiritual principle? First fruit offering to God redeems the remaining portion. The first portion as it is offered to God, it carries the power of redemption. That's a strong word for us. We understand what redemption means, redeeming the rest of it. 
That's why we talk about God being the foundation. If it's going to be blessed, then I need to acknowledge from the beginning that foundation of blessing is God. And so I want to honor God with my giving that comes out of the gate. Romans 11 and 16, for that first fruit, it's holy. It's holy. The lump also is holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. It's talking about it from the beginning, from the root, from the inception, from the starting point. We've got to, how many know that when someone knew, let's, let's take it to more of a spiritual connotation in something that we deal with regularly, illustratively, as it were, in the church. Someone new comes in. If they would begin to change their outward appearance to make us feel like they belong, but there is something in their heart not settled? How many know that would be opposite of what we're teaching? Remember when Samuel shows up at the house of Jesse and Samuel is told, don't look on his outward appearance. God's looking on the heart. I chose him because of his heart. I'll, I'll make the exterior work. We're going to get there. He'll look like a king soon enough. He did not send Samuel to find somebody who was already posing like a king when he was nothing more than a shepherd. I never thought of that, but that's pretty good right there. Thank you for that. That was pretty good. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 had told us then that we got to be guarded there. So we consider the promise. Everyone say the promise of giving promise of giving and then the place of giving what do we do Malachi 3 and 10 we bring it to the storehouse how many in your life have ever been a part where you 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 came and you marched and you brought your tithes to the storehouse and you placed it in Um, now we do that at the boxes some of us do it digitally we live in a different world don't we we live in a different world we live in a digital world where we give digitally and, and I'm, a little bit, I'm, I'm a little bit torn on this topic. Some people just have it automatically deducted uh, and it's a part of their budget and the way they feel, uh, the way that they do their finances. I'm good with that, but I think that if you're gonna do that, you still ought to monthly pull that paper out and you ought to look at it and you ought to slide it across the table to God. Be reminded, it is a returning to the Lord. It is a giving to the Lord. And so we bring it to the storehouse. We bring it intentionally. And then we watch. He said, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out the blessings. I want the blessings of God. While people in this world are chasing the blessings of this world, we we want to be seeking God. We're not seeking his blessings. We're seeking him. But seeking him comes with his blessings. So we bring them. Charity is an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship. Love is an act of worship. Somebody Uh, I was in this conversation last week, an incredible conversation about the way we give at church. And and, and this is such a wonderfully giving church. It's it's something that we have to consistently teach on because it's just a part of the scripture. So we'll do a series maybe once a year where we'll address it for not just new converts, but even individuals that have been in the way for a, a, a long time so that we can refocus on this. But this conversation was about whether we march in a service or we pass a plate. Who's ever been in the service when we pass a plate? Many of us. And yet there are probably some in here that have never been a part of that and not sure even what that looks like. What does that mean to pass a plate or to march down front and to give? What does that look like? Here's what I believe. I believe that our giving is a part of our worship. 
Here's what we have to ask ourselves. Is it worship or is it praise? Now, let me play with this for just a moment. Praise can be done momentarily where worship has to be lifestyle. If our giving is treated like praise, it's what we do when we give temporary moment to it. If it's interwoven into our worship, then it becomes a part of my lifestyle. Young people, please listen to me. If you want to be blessed in your life, giving to the kingdom must be priority. Must be priority. I'm not apologetic at all. My wife was pretty amazing about this in the early years of our kids. Um, their earliest jobs. You remember those glass bottles you would use? Those when they'd be paid for anything. My wife is a teacher by nature, and so she would be having them separate off. If they made $10, she wanted, to, she wanted to make sure one of those dollars. We were trying to create a culture where they were excited to return that dollar. And it's funny to give a kid $10 and say, here's $10, but this one's not yours. Then give me $11, that's what they've... And let's be honest, most of us are kids that grew up, right? It's just it's the way it is. But teaching that principle, trying to instill that into them. Parents, we have to be reminded that if we don't, if we don't example or model healthy giving, we can't be surprised when our kids don't understand it. Right? So the place is here. The priority of giving. Giving should, be a, should not be an afterthought. That's back to that worship part of it. Tithe and offering, I want you to catch this. Tithe and offering are an action of faith in God. They are an action of faith in God. I can't afford to give. You can't afford not to give. We can't afford not to give. Tithe and offering are an action of faith in God. Where God guides, God provides. If you prioritize the spiritual, God will take care of the material. And this is one of the hardest things because the world we live in is consumed with the material. How many know it's true? It's true. It's true. If we're not careful, we will have Amazon packages show up all the time. And yet, when you look at our Amazon purchases next to our missions giving. I don't, you know what, I'd be ready because this book that we're teaching out of tells us we're going to stand in judgment. How many know there's some people I don't want to... There's some people you don't want to stand next to. There's some people I don't want to stand next to in judgment. Like when I see that person who was making $1,500 a month and a 1,000 of it was going to missions, I'm going to step back in line. Come on. I'm trying to be humorous with this a little bit, but we should not be as concerned about what people think of us as what does God, what does God think about us? 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 we're looking at this way that we started, this first day of the week, this putting aside, being intentional, this, this, this starting, this prioritizing. Everyone say prioritizing. It's got to be intentional. Let's, let's look at this as planned giving. I'll give what's left. No, I'll have left because I give. I really believe that. Let's talk about the purpose of giving. Deuteronomy 14, 23. We read this, I believe, a couple of weeks ago, and this is talking about the, the purpose of tithing is teaching us to keep God first 
in our lives. So these principles being woven together. But I want to give you this little um, three-line statement that I think is, is, is very good to live by. It says, I'm grateful for the past. It says, God is number one in the present. And it says, I'm trusting him for the future. I'm going to know one of the greatest tactics of the devil is fear. Fear. I don't know what's going to happen if I give. Well, I can tell you I know what's going to happen if we don't. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Giving is a test of our faith. How about the practice of giving? This is a question I've been asked more times than I could, I could possibly answer. People have asked me, so do I tithe on the gross or the net? Because the gross feels gross. <laughs> do I? And, and the reality of that is we tithe on the gross because that's what he blessed us with. If you have portions being kept out, you say, well, I, I, I tithe on the net and then I tithe on my return and I tithe. So there's personal integrity tied to all of this. How many know this is all personal integrity no matter what? This isn't, no one's gonna, you're never gonna be asked one-on-one, -on -one, so you gave this, are you making, the, that's ridiculous. That's not what any of this is. This, is. this is just Christian teaching, Christian character, trying to be godly in this example. But, but what we're saying in a situation like this is everything I earned, I'm tithing it to him as a form of return, returning it to him. And so the way you do your math on that, I just ask you to prayerfully consider before the Lord what you do to be right and righteous there. Let me tell you a big part of this. The biggest part in this situation is attitude. That's the simplest way to say it. It's attitude, giving with a right attitude. What does God love according to 2 Corinthians 9 and 7? A cheerful, look at your neighbor and smile big enough it feels creepy. <laughs> Tell him I hate when he says to do this. And uh, yeah, we've got to be cheerful. We've all seen that illustration, right? Where someone comes to take the, the bill or the check out of someone's hand and they're holding on to it at the same time. I'm going to tell you, I want you to hear it from me, and you can, you can bring it back up to me. If that's you, don't give. Really, don't give. Sister Gail probably just had a heart attack. She's in the back, laid out somewhere. Um, no, we give cheerfully as unto the Lord. We give as unto the Lord, right? With a good attitude. And then the third part of that is I give offerings out of my Blessings. That's a mindset. That's a mindset. I give offerings out of my blessings. If all I do is tithe, then I'm not using my blessing or my talent that God has given me. And some people interpret this differently. But Christ even looked at them, at those Pharisees, when he was getting on to them about the tithing. You tithe down to the last mint leaf, and you, yet you neglected these other things. Then he looked at them. He said, you, you, you should tithe. You should do this. But you don't need to forget these other things. It's a balance of life, okay? Um, in, regards to, in regards to tithing and offering, there's different types of offerings. There's the free will offering, which is that ongoing. Um, it should be budgeted. It's kind of regular going on. Different people. In fact, many, let me, let me address this. Let me say it this way. Many have asked me, 
What does that mean for tithe or offering? A lot of places teach, teach one and one, so 10 and 10. Um, I kind of teach offering as a five to 10%. Consider that. I will tell you this. If all of your offering is regulated to somewhere, then you control it all because you're never going to give money. At least I can speak here for Calvary. If you give money at Calvary and you designate it to an offering, our CFO, our CPA, our accountants, they could tell you that's where it's going. And I believe that I believe the body deserves that. Amen? The body deserves that. If you give money towards that, that's what it should go to. But if all of our offerings are designated, then we give no offerings in blind faith. That's a tough principle. I feel that in the room. Some of you are thinking, I never designate. Well, so designated offering might be missions. It might be youth. Thank God. The youth need your help, Right? Um, these different areas that we designate funds, but sometimes we just give funds in the way that that looks. So um, as a personal stance, we've tried to do this for a long time in our family um, in the way that we appropriate that off of the top. Why? I want to return my tithe, but I want to give my offering out of blessing. Pastor Carson, why are you, why are you kind of going through some of this, why are you talking about free will and then I want to go into sacrificial? Why are, we, why are we spending so much time on this? Because it's biblical. Because it's biblical. And we're living in a world that is consumed with the opposite. Boy, I feel it. I feel it. Psalm 96 and 8 tells us to give the Lord the glory that he deserves. So we bring that offering. We come into his courts. We bring that. Number two, sacrificial offering is periodically. Um, sacrificial offering, when we went into the building appeal for the remodel, this church was incredible. You were amazing with the response and the sacrificial offerings. How many know that that would lose its steam if every other week we got up and tried to take up a sacrificial offering? At, at some point, the thing that's being sacrificed is the people, Right? That's not, that's not the goal. But, so let me bring up an example. We were, at, we were at General Conference. We had General Conference last week. The same night, the same service. Okay, so in my flesh, my wife and I were at a service. The Lord has done this many times, but the Lord spoke an amount to her and spoke an amount to me. And usually when he does that, it's the service I wish I wouldn't have went to. But Brother Gallion, he spoke an amount to me and I told her, I said, I really feel like we're supposed to give a certain amount. She said, I do too. I said, what do you feel? And she did one of those like, I don't wanna say it. And I was like, I don't want you to. <laughs> and, and so she told me that amount and what the Lord spoke to her is what the Lord had spoke to me. He's done this many times before. And, but I will tell you, so I'm being very transparent tonight. What I was going to do is I had been intentionally planning and saving and had a portion for something particular, and I was going to just remove that and give it. And no sooner than I came up with that plan, the Lord prompted me, no, I want you to sell some of your stuff. And I still don't like that plan as much. <laughs> I'm telling everybody. I'm still, but it was very particular. I think when it comes to sacrificial giving, we should allow the Lord to be particular. 
it should feel personal. Retired missionary Dan Scott told me, if, if, if it doesn't hurt, it's not sacrificial. Amen? Amen. So let's, let's transition here a little bit for the last 15 minutes and let's talk savings. I hope I'm not boring you. I hope I'm helping you. But we're talking about saving money wisely. Pastor, you just talked about giving it away. Yeah, and then I told you, I'm gonna sell some stuff. I was at, I was at an event one time. Uh, I was at, it was another general. I may need to stop going to general. That might be that. We were at a general conference one time and the Lord spoke an amount to her and spoke an amount to me and I was wishing they had been conflicting, but they were the same amount. And I looked at her and I said, we got to sell stuff we don't even own yet. I'm not sure how that works out. Um, but that's where, we're, that's where we're at. So let's talk about saving money wisely. You can't save money wisely if you don't budget and spend money wisely. Amen? Amen. A study by bankrate.com shows that 63%, 63% of Americans would be unable to handle a $500 car repair or a $1,000 emergency room bill. That's devastating to me. Did you know that God gives us biblical mandate to save money? Saving and giving are not in conflict. In fact, I will tell you most often, giving is the result of saving. Saving is a part of these laws of financial freedom that we have to look at. Many of Jesus' parables are actually about investing. How do we invest our funds? And I want to tell everybody a great starting point for investment is through the principles of the Bible, not through some get-rich 2 a.m. infomercial. Turn it off. Oh, God. Okay. Um, when I invest my money, my money works for me instead of me working for my money. Somebody needs to write that down. Your money should be working for you, not you working for your money, okay? I'm supposed to return to God first, pay myself second, and then pay my bills. And some of you think that that's odd, but that's actually the way that it lays out. You are likely to never get out of debt and never move to financial prosperity or even peace until you learn to do these couple of things that the Bible teaches very adamantly. Giving and saving. Giving and saving. Proverbs 21 and 20, when that man sa saves for the future, that wise man saves for the future. I wanna, this is a cultural comparison that would be interesting to some in the room. Recent statistics say the average uh, individual from Japan saves 25% of their income. The average European saves 18% of their income. The average American spends 1% more than they make. A lot of stats, when laid against each other, it looks as though it were a dichotomy to say a Christian American. And it ought not be that way. How many know that this scripture is greater than geography? It's greater than the culture we're immersed in. This is meant to determine culture, not fold around it. My, my. Okay. Here's a, here's a hard statement. 
Next time you get a raise, it doesn't mean go out and buy something lavish. Maybe it means invest it. Maybe it means invest it, save it. Many of you in this room, the truth is here, you came from families that did not invest, so you didn't learn to invest. There is this real fallacy that investing is for rich people. False. Investing is not for rich people. Investing has never been easier. I feel this a little bit even in the room, like, Pastor, why in the world are you talking about investing? We invest in the kingdom. The kingdom principle is to be wise with our money. And if we're not careful, we're going to be consumed with an with a entire culture that is drinking away their money one frappuccino at a time. We got, we got kids that can't buy cars that spend $1,000 on pumpkin If your parents pay your insurance and you wear $200 shoes, you got a maturity problem. Okay, sorry, I feel a little soapbox thing coming here. But it's the truth. You want to come dance around the altar in your $200 shoes and you don't pay a single bill in your life? Boy, I'm in it right now. I mean, like, every now and then it just gets on me. And I just, uh, people, I don't know if they're slain in the spirit or just fainting. I'm not sure, but <laughs> we got to be honest about how we're giving, where we're giving, okay? There's, okay, I got to move on. Boy, I don't want to. Um, you don't get to call it sacrificial giving when you're swiping your parents' card. I'm, st- I'm, I'm having a hard time lifting out of it. Somebody say, help him, Lord. Help him, Lord. But how many, how many elders will agree with me and help me talk to this young generation right now? We've got to be wise about how we spend and be honest and be... Listen, the name brand of your suit should not be more important than the humility of your heart. And the godly... Yeah. And the godly way which you allow your character to be shaped not just for our students that are in here. I'm hoping this is listened to by some of our middle age and some of our individuals that will listen to the podcast later. We've got to be honest about it. We've got to be honest about it. Let's talk about savings real quick here. Four types of savings. Emergency savings, okay? This is for needs. It should be started immediately. The Dave Ramsey principle here of that $1,000, throw a yard sale, do whatever you need to do, get some money in the bank. It needs to be there you're looking to have a, a thousand, two thousand dollars. It's an emergency fund um, in there in a, in a basic savings account. Okay, so you're creating that budget, selling something, you're cutting back, you're you're reducing a major expense. You're doing something to make sure you can get that there. And I'm going to tell you right now, in this day and age, I don't care how broke you are. If 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 you're so broke, you're broke because you can't afford the E. You can you can you can save. $1,000. You can sell those shoes. That'll get you $200. <laughs> Number two, unexpected loss savings. Okay? Ecclesiastes 11 and 2, investing in what you have in these different places. Those of us um, that have done a lot with fun, maybe if you haven't done very much, you've heard the word to diversify, to diversify, to be intentional about it. 
but unexpected loss savings, different places, different funds, different purposes, different ways. Um, some would call this a rainy day fund. And you're thinking, well, what's the difference? This is, this is different. This is in that situation, maybe you lose a job. While, while 1% is living over in population as Christians, I advise us as believers to try to have three to six months in savings just in case you lose your job. I don't... Our children will either pay or benefit from our planning. And that's biblical. That's biblical. Number three, retirement savings. Okay? This is a tough and a touchy subject for some. I've had this conversation with many, many ministers, so I don't, I don't want anything I'm about to say to be insensitive. Okay? I'm speaking direct because I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with money and I'm almost out of time, and I don't want to sugarcoat any of this, okay? But we had entire generations that were educated not to plan for retirement. Because the rapture was going to happen. Pastor, don't, don't be rough on the... We need to live like he's returning. But we need to plan like he's maybe not coming in our lifetime. Because you listen to me, he is returning for the church. And it could be in the next five minutes. That's why we need to sing those songs about heaven and being prepared and wanting to see him. But our kids and our grandkids should not have to pay the payment of our lack to plan. I don't, I don't want my kids to scramble for my funeral. Pastor, that's harsh. No, it's not. It's, it's good. Everything down to my funeral plan is written out. I say, that's a little dark. That's a little morbid. You're only, you're a young guy. I don't want them to have to worry about it. Now, on the top with an asterisk, it says, subject to change by Rachel Carson. Because <laughs> she, she can do whatever she wants. Trust me, alive or dead, she can change whatever. <laughs> but the reality is this. I don't want them to have to scramble on where I can't. It would be hard for some of you to imagine how many families I've had to try to counsel on how just to bury family. How many know that's a real thing? Well, we shouldn't be taking Wednesday nights. Yes, we should. We should be taking time to talk about planning appropriately not spending it on things that don't matter. So this is a part of that retirement saving where we retire to live and then that season of life savings is where that one would come from. But retirement savings, whether um, you know, you're doing match pay, there's, there's all kinds, 401k, 403b, traditional IRA, Roth IRA, some of you are well-versed in this. But here's what I find in these conversations. There's no way I can exhaust it, so I won't spend tons of time on it other than to say, you do not... Look dumb to ask questions, but you live dumb not to. At the truest definition of what it is, in this sense, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is not bliss. You say, yeah, but I'm, I'm 50 years old and I haven't started paying into retirement. Guess what? You get to start this week. You get to start this week. And there are catch-up funds that will help. I don't, regardless of what age you are, 
you have the right and the ability to sit down with a financial planner and start planning appropriately and to be prepared. What does that look like? How does that look? You sit down with financial advisors. We try to make that available. If you're here and you think, well, I don't even know who to talk to. If you go through those glass doors and you walk in there to LaDusta Brown she will, and you tell her, I'd like to meet with a financial advisor, then we will help. This is something the church does. We will connect you with a financial advisor within the church that would love to help and be a blessing to you. Why do we do this? We want people to be blessed. And we want people to be kingdom livers. So they got to be kingdom givers. Amen? All right, stand with me. The rest of it will be in the notes. There'll be stuff in the notes on making a will and a trust. To everyone in the room, from the youngest to the oldest, okay, from the youngest to the oldest. It's important that you plan in such a way. Okay, I have to deal with some of this stuff, so let me say this. Please don't cause friction in your, children's because, in your children because you're not clear about what should happen with your home and your finances. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help them. Y'all, I've had to counsel so many siblings that almost lost their entire relationship over some silly little piddly amount of money. This one knows they knew. I know what dad wanted. And this one says, no, I knew what dad wanted. And the truth is, neither one of them, because dad didn't even know what. But you got to do that work and work through that. I would ask you to consider where and how that's distributed. What happens if, God forbid, something happens to you, it's just good planning. You have to have a few things included in that goodwill. They're listed here that I'd want you to look at. I want you to look at that. Living will, health care power of attorney, financial power of attorney, insurance that needs to be con considered. Um, one last, just practical, very practical that never really gets talked about but should. You need to keep good records. You need to keep good, clean records. Um, another thing I deal with quite a bit is the kids can't find anything. There's bills that are still carrying. They're trying to chase down all the bills and where things are coming from and, and they're losing money and trying to pay it out and they've got all these miscellaneous because nothing's organized. You, you might not be an organized person, but to the best of your ability, have things organized so that you can live in a structured way that honors God with your finances. Hope this hasn't been too much. I hope it's, hope it's something that we're able to, to take as, as biblical and practical. Again, the notes will, will flesh out more of this. Um, giving and saving. God, we want to honor you with it. I want to honor you with how I live, with how I give, with how I save. If you challenge us through the investing of talents, you don't want us simply burying it. You want us doing something with it. Help us either to have the wisdom and the knowledge to know what to do 
or help us to have the humility to work with someone who does. God, for every person in this room that's had to listen to this and they've been hurt financially, I pray that you would restore in their mind and in their heart any old wounds, any old hurts, someone that affected their retirement or somebody that, that messed up their savings or some, um, some identity theft or fraud or so, whatever hurts have maybe made topics like this sensitive. I pray that you would you'd allow some healing balm to flow into that. But to every person in this room, myself included, the youngest to the eldest in this room, I pray you'd help us to honor you with our finances. Because money matters. It matters to you. It matters how we treat it. So we ask for your help. We ask for your guidance. And we ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ.